We are in the third week of Lent, and you heard quite the gospel lesson today. That was long. And that story is one of those stories in the Bible that I just love so much. I heard a teacher once say that if you wanted to sum up the message of Christ, what Jesus brought into the world and what God is doing through Christ, that is the number one story to look at and reflect on. Because in this moment, in this story, we see the incredible gift of grace that overwhelms a woman who thinks that grace is certainly not for her. But before we get into that story, let's take a moment to talk about Samaria and the Samaritans. It's important for us to understand how the Samaritans really fit and where they literally were in the country. So we all likely know Israel is a tall, skinny country. And as Jesus was moving around, he really made his home up in the north in Galilee. But Jerusalem is sort of in the center of the country. Samaria is a stretch of land that essentially is between Jerusalem in the center and Galilee in the north. Samaria was that area of Israel where people did not go into exile. Now, many of you who have done Bible studies know that about seven, anywhere between five and 700 years, depending on which exile you're talking about, the people of the north, Assyria and Babylon, came down and sacked the kingdoms of Israel. And we don't have to go into all the details today, but just know that that happened and the people who stayed in the land were actually Israelites. They rooted themselves all the way back to Abraham and to Jacob and to Joseph. And those people simply were a different kind of Jew. So the Samaritans are not some totally separate group of people. They're in a sense kind of the old school Jews. And all of the Pharisees and Sadducees that Jesus deals with in the Gospels are like the new school Jews. And so when Jesus tells stories about Samaritans, he's not telling stories about random people. He's essentially telling stories about the old way of being Jewish versus what the new temple and the new way of being Jewish is all about. We have two important stories about Samaritans in the Gospels. One is the woman at the well and the other is the Good Samaritan. So the Good Samaritan, when Jesus tells that story, it's not, he's not just being good because he's moral. He's being good because he gets the gist of what it means to be a child of God through Abraham. And when Jesus talks about Samaritans, or when Jesus goes into Samaria, or when Jesus talks to this Samaritan woman at the well, he is upending the apple cart of all the new Jews. And so we need to have that in our mind because this isn't just any woman. This is a Samaritan woman and they're the wrong kind of Jews compared to what his disciples think. And so now we're back in the story and the story really is quite simple. Jesus has been down in the center of Israel in Jerusalem doing a bunch of stuff. He's calling disciples, he's cleansing the temple, he's teaching and doing some miracles and now he's going back home up to Galilee. Well, to get there, they've got to pass through Samaria. So as they stop for an afternoon and he sends his disciples in to get some food, he sits by this well. The well is kind of outside the city of Sychar. And as he's sitting there, a woman comes up to draw water. Now we are introduced to this woman in a very specific way. She is coming in the middle of the day to draw water from the well by herself. Now we may not notice this, 
But the people hearing this story or reading this story in the Gospels would understand that she's obviously some kind of outcast. She has obviously brought some kind of shame onto herself because otherwise she would have come with other women in the cool of the morning to draw water from the well, but she can't. So here she is in the heat of the day by herself and Jesus is sitting at the well and begins speaking to her. Now immediately she's standoffish because she probably thinks he's a creep. And so here she is with her water jugs just trying to get some water and Jesus begins to speak to her and makes her uncomfortable but he kind of continues to poke and continues to prod and as he speaks to her, he unveils the truth about who she is. Here she is just trying to get some work done, go about her business of the day. And Jesus names her shame. Jesus calls her out. Jesus pokes on the soft spot, the sensitive, tender spot that she really would prefer not to talk about. And when he does, she begins to respond. It takes her relating to her own shame it takes her understanding her own imperfection. It takes her being exposed for who she genuinely truly is for her to actually respond to what Jesus offers. This is really important because once she understands who she is and she sees that God loves her anyway, she drops her jugs and she runs back to the city and she tells everybody that God has seen her, saved her, loved her. And then we hear at the very end of today's lesson that many, many people in the city began to believe in Jesus because of her testimony. Change is hard. We know change is hard. There's lots of research that goes into the study of habits and habits cannot simply be ended. Habits have to be replaced and habits have to be replaced over a minimum of 21, most scholars say 28 days, which means when we understand what we do and why we do certain things and we want to change the things that we do, we've got to kind of commit an entire month to go from what we used to be to who we want to be. That kind of research really puts Lent into perspective. Lent is 40 days. Lent is always an opportunity for us to consider who we are and who we want to be, who we are in our imperfection and who God's calling us to be in his grace and love. And we can reflect on the ways in which we operate that we kind of wish we didn't. Those habits that we live into, those habits that we almost do every day without even thinking about them are opportunities for us to change for the good but we have to actually commit something to making those changes. We have to commit to changing those habits. And it often takes a moment of clarity to understand what our habits actually are and how they could change. Last week, I was talking to a few of the teenagers here at St. Michael. They are preparing for confirmation and they're coming most Sundays as they prepare themselves for confirmation. And one mentioned to me that his Lenten discipline was to get off of Instagram, so he deleted the app. Well, as he was talking to some of the other confirmands, many of them said to him, well, you know what? We should probably do that too. And he said, well, then why don't you? And they were stunned because the idea of deleting Instagram or TikTok or whatever kind of scared them because, man, they love it. But he looked at them and said, could you not do this for a few weeks? And so they did. We have multiple kids here who have deleted social media apps that drew them in for hours a day in ways that they really didn't want to be drawn in. 
in order to try and change that bad habit. And I thought, man, if our eighth graders can do that, how about those of us in here? And I don't mean social media. I mean the ways in which we lose ourselves in the mess of the world in ways that are not good for us or healthy for us. The habits that we have that we almost don't even realize we have because they've become so much a part of our daily routine. How many of us are yoked to ways of being and habits that really aren't godly? that really aren't drawing us closer to God day by day. How many of us are so very yoked to and rooted in and tied to things like our general security or our comfort or fashion or health or food or money? How many of us are so connected to the worldly stuff that draws us away from God, that we don't even realize it. How many of us are just off on our regular daily routine of going to the well to draw some water and need God to shake us to understand how we are holding ourselves back? Lent is an opportunity to let God shake us. Lent is 40 days longer than scientists say we need to change a habit. And so even if you've not quite done anything this Lent just yet, you have time left. You've got the 28 days. You've got the opportunity to actually reflect on who you are and what you do and what keeps you from God. Those things that keep you from the strength of God and the grace of God and the love of God. Those shameful things that scare you and you know they do and brings us the kind of shame that we think God probably doesn't like. But here's the good news. God loves us anyway. Nothing that we have done and nothing that we will do will keep us separated from God's love. And so why not take today? Why not have the courage to let God shake you, to figure out a small thing, small, that you could actually change over these next few weeks, that you could do every day, such that by the end of this holy season, you have made a meaningful shift away from the world and toward the love of God. It's there for us. Jesus is here for us, ready to help us change for the good. All we have to do is say yes. Amen.